Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. My name is Rich Walters. I'm from Parkersburg, West Virginia. Um, I'm obviously a part of the Cross Church, which is uh, 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 brother uh, brother Aaron's brother David has that church, and we got a really good thing going on down there. Um, as far as our church goes, man, we're, we've been having radical, perpetual re- revival now for. I don't know, I'd say the past, probably since about COVID kicked off, and maybe a little bit before that. Prior to that, people were trickling into the church, um, and we were seeing a, a, a heavy move of God over and over and over, but I think COVID was really the catalyst to this movement that we got going on down there, because obviously everything shut down, everybody was sad and depressed, and life was flipped upside down, and they were reaching for something that was real, and for the first time in many of their lives, they came to that church, and God touched them, and as a matter of fact, rocked their world and uh, just kind of set a fire ablaze throughout the church, It really. And so a lot of the people that we see in that church are coming out of a really, really rough lifestyle. Uh, a lot of the people we see in that church are ex-heroin addicts, meth addicts, prostitutes, criminals, drug addicts, alcoholics, you name it. And so when they're coming in there, they're coming in there with a heavy need. And, uh, you know, God's attracted to the need. And, and so what happens in that church is we get that place packed with people. We get that church packed with a bunch of people who are trying to have an experience with God and are reaching out with everything in them. Um, and God moves, man, in a heavy way. And I wish that you guys could come down and check it out and see it and be a part of it. Sometimes it looks like a Holy Ghost bomb went off in that place a lot of the times. It's a blowout by the time we leave there. So Now, are you connected in any way to the people that are coming in with your business? Oh, yeah. So my wife and I started a business about... 14 months ago in Parkersburg, West Virginia, called Peer Solutions. Uh, we're a licensed behavioral health facility, and really what we did was we started an outpatient facility because really what happened was, was in the area we're from, there's a really bad problem with drugs. Um, and I know that same thing in, in Zanesville. There's a really terrible problem with drugs, and so there was a really heavy need for treatment. And so they created all kinds of treatment centers, and they brought in a lot of treatment centers, and they had a bunch of inpatient treatment beds going on, but they had nothing outpatient to be able to service the people and to hold them and sustain them for long-term sobriety. And so we, we created Peer Solutions really out of necessity, and a lot of our people actually come to our church, man. It's, a, it's such a cool thing to be able to service people for drug and alcohol addiction and then get them before God and allow them to have an experience with God, which ultimately changes them forever. And so I believe that our congregation has grown drastically as a result um, of a lot of those people who do come there. Um, And so, yeah, we are very, very honored and humbled that God is able to use us through our business to further the kingdom. So 13-year-old Rich, was he an entrepreneur-minded man or kid? Uh, you know, I, yeah, kind of, I was never like, I was never this, I was never the guy, I was never a routine guy. I was never the guy that could wake up nine to five and wake up and do a nine to five each and every single day. I was never that type of person. Like everything that I ever did, I was a dreamer and a visionary and I always dreamed really, really big and I always thought that this is the way things, I believe that this could happen. I want to see this could ha- I want to see this happen. Still to this day, I'll be, I'll flip her out a lot of the times because I'll cast like, I'll dream so big. I want it to be like, like this and I, and I just, and I can see it. You know, I could see it. And she helps get me there, you know. She helps get me there. She's an unsung hero a lot of the times in this story. Uh, My wife has been right alongside of me each and every single step of the way. And, uh, you know, we're able to do this together, man. And we just were able to chop wood and carry water together. And and it's been very, very fruitful in our our lives. Um, But, yeah, as a 13-year-old kid, I was always a dreamer and I always figured that I was going to do something. I just didn't know what it was. I, when I was a little kid, I used to say, and I used to say this stuff a lot of the times from the podium when I was in recovery, when I'd be speaking at recovery events and so on and so forth, what I'd say was, 
You remember those dreams and aspirations you had as a kid? I was a dreamer. I knew I wanted to do great things. Drugs and alcohol eventually sidetracked me, destroyed my life, and flipped me upside down. I didn't want it to turn out that way. I, that wasn't my intention. And I, 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 I thought that God had bigger things in my life, but suddenly I found myself really in a deep, dark hole. And I thought, how did I get here? But that fire was still deep down inside. I just needed to clear away the wreckage that I had created up until that point to allow God to work through my life. And then once he sets you, once God turns you loose, See, I don't care what it is. They, no one can stop it. I mean, you, 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 you know, you can't, you can't stop what's going on. You were in the drug world. Yes, very Addicted. much. Addicted? Oh, yeah. So how do you go from that to helping other people? Uh, well, I got to tell you, I didn't start. What happened for me was, was uh, I'd never tried to get sober or anything like that, like, it wasn't, like, I just loved partying when we were younger seemed like a normal thing to do. Uh, people partied, you know, growing up and all that other stuff, and it never really grabbed a hold of you till it grabs a hold of you, and the next thing you know, everyone's going on with their life, and, then, and you're really just struggling and suffering, and you're strung out, and it's got you, and that's that. And I went through the gauntlet of every substance, so for 21 years, I destroyed my life with drugs and alcohol, and, uh, you know, Ultimately, what happened was, man, as I went through all that pain, all that suffering, and I'd never tried recovery, I'd never tried the God stuff or anything else, and I got to a level of pain and a level of desperation where the only option I had left was to try this God thing. That was it. And it wasn't, it wasn't introduced to me through the church at that point in time. You see, Pastor Bounds wasn't really, that, he wasn't in Parkersburg when I got sober, and so a lot of the stuff wasn't really going on, and so we was introduced God through the 12-step movement, and through the 12-step movement, and seek. God the way they see God. We found ourselves in that church, and then, man, God just, God makes a way. You know, it doesn't really matter how you get to this church or that church or anywhere else, just as long as you get there and you get in the presence of God, then the, the miraculous can take place and radical things will happen in your life. And, uh, you know, it was such a beautiful thing. Looking back on it, the greatest thing, I, I wrote something not too long ago. All the pain and suffering and misery and arrests and dope sicknesses and mornings when I was, was guilty, shameful, and remorseful, all that stuff was necessary in my life because I was too proud of a person for God to be able ever to be able to use. And I believe that God allowed me to go through all that to strip me down of my pride to get me to a place of willingness where I was willing to say, God, I have nothing left. Please help me, work with me, whatever it is. And I got to tell you, since I became a Christian and since I started living for God, I fell short in every category that you could possibly fall short in. But I just get up every single day and I ask God to forgive me and I just keep moving. I just keep moving. You can't lay down. And I believe that if you've been through enough bad stuff, little things in life shouldn't be able to knock you down. Yeah. I'm sorry for getting passionate. I'm excited, and I drank a bunch of uh, cold brew on the way here. But I just get excited to tell this story, uh, you know, because it's this stuff which, which, which saved my life and really flipped our life upside down and allowed us to be able to help literally hundreds of thousands of people. And uh, I'll get more into that here a little bit in the story. So you said you're 14 months in to, to the business. 14 months into the business. 14 months into the business, we've serviced over 800 people um, up until this point. And I'm talking about 800 of the, of the worst cases you could possibly run into. Um, for, a long, for the longest time, we was actually servicing the city mission, which is the homeless population. And I think that what a lot of people forget is, is they think the homeless population and they think that just these drug addicts and alcoholics and what they seem to forget is the, the level of mental health problems that are out there. And a lot of the people who are homeless, like you can't even believe, you'll walk up to a human being that's in the homeless shelter and you'll say to, and you'll start talking to him and you'll literally think to yourself, who would have ever said it was a good idea for him to just go fend for himself? It's actually quite sad that, that this is where we're at as a country because that's really a lot of the population are out there. And then they become victims to predators. And so people will take advantage of them. And so they get social security checks and they get medications and all that other stuff. And so they have people in their family who will literally take all that from them <coughs> and then throw them out on the street <coughs> to fend for themselves. It's quite sad. And if you don't have a heart, like once you go into an environment like that, if you don't have a heart to try to help every single soul in there, something's wrong with you. Surely, surely you didn't go from owning nothing, no business whatsoever, no business experience, to owning a business 
overnight? How did that, how did that yeah. segue? Well, that's radical. It's crazy, man. God's wild. God will just, man, God shows off, man. God's been showing off in our life for a long time. It's a trip. Like, we're both felons. Uh, you know, we're both ex-intravenous drug, drug uh, users, both violent uh, criminals, the whole nine. And uh, really, God's just taken a, such a... a, a stepped into our life and, and done this at such a radical level that you actually look at it sometimes you think, this sounds far-fetched. The life that we live literally sounds far-fetched. It yeah. doesn't even make sense. How could somebody like us live the life that we live today? And really all we did was suit up, show up, and trust God, and everything else just kind of worked out the way it was supposed to. But I think the biggest part is suiting up and showing up every single day, and that's the one part is consistency that people lack. you got to show up every single day and report to life. And when you report to life every single day with a fearless attitude because you know the battle's already won, it's hard to tell what you can accomplish. It's hard to tell what you can accomplish. So God can do really great things in people's lives, but they just got to get to a level of fearlessness through God to where they just don't, like I don't look at things. When I look at something, I don't look at it with doubt. When I say, hey, Shay, we're going to go into this new building, and this is what I expect our company to do, to, to, to do and to grow as, I don't look at it through the vision of doubt. I look at it through a vision of faith. I already know we're going there. We just ain't there yet. I can actually see it taking place. I can almost reach out and touch it. We just ain't there yet. You understand what I'm saying? The battle's already won, and I know that God's already brought me through so many low spots in my life to get into a place like this. This is easy work. God, if, if God can take me through the stuff that he's already taken me through, for him to be able to take me and take her and elevate us to the next level of business and the next level of finances and life and entrepreneurship and everything else, that's a cakewalk. All i got to do is show up each and every single day. I already know what he can do. I already know what type of miracles he can perform. So this stuff right here, this is, this is light work. So you, know? so you don't walk into a situation and say, mm -mm. I'm going to do this, but if it doesn't work, then this is my out. It's, not, I'm going to nah, do this. not at all. I walked into, so what we did was originally, <laughs> this all kicked off about seven and a half, about six years ago. Uh, and I hadn't met her yet. I met her about four years ago. And uh, about six years, she was still in prison at this time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I hadn't met her yet. Uh, and you look at her, she's just so absolutely beautiful and well-spoken. It's hard to believe that. She is actually in prison at that point in time, man. God does such amazing things. And uh, I was just looking at her out there in the hallway and kissing her and just telling her how much I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I just love her so much, you know. And we've been just so blessed to be able to live the life that uh, we get to live today. But four years ago, I just, this all kind of, or I mean, six years ago, this all kicked off, and really what it started with was just a, 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 a desire to want to reach lost souls and lost people who were strung out and struggling and everything else, because at that point in time, this whole recovery movement wasn't like a big thing yet, you know, it was still taboo, it was really a, an anonymous thing, you know, everyone was like, shh, you know, you shouldn't talk about that, you shouldn't tell anybody, but that was silly. That was the stupidest thing in my life I'd ever heard in my life. And so when I got to it, I thought to myself, anonymity is a man-made principle. God don't want you to be anonymous about what he's done in your life. God don't yeah. want you to be quiet about that. I don't have the, anonymity is a fear-based principle, and nothing that I do is fear-based. And so I just started, I broke my anonymity and kind of told my story. And the next thing you know, I was speaking all over West Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, the East Coast, Florida, just about everywhere there was inviting me to speak. And so, and then you start doing these big events and these major, major events and these marches and everything else and it spreads like wildfire. Then you take the social media and then you start to speak on that and then your message even, it compounds over and over and over and uh, you know, then all of a sudden, next thing you know, these major treatment centers are looking at you and they're like, hey, we want you to work for us. And you're like, well, what, what's that even mean? And they're like, you know, the way uh, Nike, Nike wants to pay LeBron James to be able to represent their shoes. We want you to represent our treatment center. I was like, that sounds phenomenal. Because at this point in time, I'm a felon. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm saying to myself, what's going to happen? Like, at this point in time, I'm saying to myself, my life, I was in a really bad place because, you know, being a felon, you, you, you get 
counted out a lot, you know, and you, you have to jump through a lot of hoops in order to uh, get yourself in a good place in the workforce. And, and there's just so many hurdles that you have to kind of get over and stigma and all that other stuff. And so at that point in time, it was really frustrating. and I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. And then they asked me to do this and I'll never forget it as long as I live. They were like, you want to be a brand ambassador for this treatment center? I was like, yeah, it sounds phenomenal. I don't even know what a brand ambassador is, but it sounds cool. So I went with it and I was working 80 hours a week and I was literally making about 300 bucks a week after taxes and child support and I didn't care at all because it was the greatest life in the world. They was literally paying me to go around and help people. And I was like, this is so cool. It didn't matter to me that I had nothing. None of that mattered because my whole life up until that point, what I thought was as long as my external world is good and I have lots of money and I have nice things and nice cars and nice jewelry and nice all this other stuff and everybody thinks really good about me, that life is really good. And that's not the point at all because that's not true. And it wasn't until I was stripped of everything out here that I realized that this is an internal condition that I got to treat and that I got to, and there's only one thing that can treat that. And there's only one thing that could treat that. And so I got to be at a place in my life where I had absolutely nothing out here, but inside my cup was overflowing. And it was the greatest thing. It was a revelation to me that, you know, this is where it has to be taken care of inside first. And that nothing out here matters. And, and all the money in the world wouldn't make a difference if this wasn't right. Nothing, nothing, nothing matters. And so I got to go through these just different levels of that. And I ended up becoming the national marketing director for a major treatment center. And I got to meet people all over the United States and speak at all these different places. And it was the second annual event that I was having at Parkersburg. We have an event there. It's a memorial walk for people who died um, to addiction, uh, alcoholism, anything to do with that lifestyle. And thousands of people generally show up. And it was the first thing she had showed up to out of prison. And when she got out, she seen thousands of people at this event that day having fun, and she didn't even know that this stuff even existed. And from that point forward, she just jumped into this life and never looked back. A couple of months later, her and I got together, and uh, she was working a job doing something else, and I was the national marketing director for a treatment facility at that point in time in South Florida. And I said, listen, I want to bring you on and get you doing this type of work with, with me. And she literally fell in love with it, and she became excellent. And we went side by side and traveled the United States and spoke all over together and did all this stuff together. And literally, it was just like, it was like a dream come true. It's like actually hard to believe, like, when you look back on our experience, how far we've came and where we've came from. And so the next thing you know, she's right beside me. And the next thing you know, we create our own LLC. And then we become a marketing company and all this other stuff. And the next thing you know, I take my know-how and that and leverage it into ownership in a, in a treatment center in South Florida. Now, mind you, literally seven and a half years ago, I'm a homeless drug addict with holes all over my body. I'm not capable of making these decisions, striking these deals, or having this type of passion or determination or anything else. God does that. Yeah. I don't even have the knowledge, wisdom, or anything else to be able to put this stuff together, yet I walk into these meetings with these other big businessmen down there, and I take control of the situation. I say, this is how it's going to go. This is what we want as a team, and if we don't get it, we're going to go somewhere else because we believed in what we did, and we weren't going to let anybody shove us around, and that's kind of how this whole business model kind of spot. So you went into marketing out. first. Yes. Is that right? Yes, we was doing marketing because we was everywhere. So uh, we was doing, doing marketing and branding because we was literally all over the place. So I was like saying, I'd like to be in the church seven days a week. Yeah. Right? I yeah. said, we would like to do that where we're from, to be in the church seven days a week. Because if we're not in the church, then we're at the 12-step meetings. But we're always around somebody who's struggling, and we're always around somebody who needs help. This is what we do. Seven days a week. This ain't like, this ain't a side job. This ain't something that we do once in a while. We do this all day long. And so when you fall in love with something like this, man, and God, you know when, it, when, it's your, when it's your destiny. And you know when God has ordained it because you couldn't stop doing it if you wanted to. You, I couldn't, we couldn't stop doing what, we were do what we're doing now if we wanted to. And really, I think we've just been set out here to love people that everyone else loves to hate. <laughs> you know? So, and it's an exciting thing to be able to watch these people get rehabilitated back to life uh, become productive members of society and become... So you said you do this seven days a week. Seven days a week, man. What, this is all I know. What does your family life look like? Oh, goodness. Those kids, they grow up in church. They're little prayer warriors. <laughs> They're little worship leaders. They're like... <laughs> is, there, I, is there a disconnect or, or do you have kids? We do. We, okay. have, we have four kids and no, there's not a disconnect. Uh, 
Our kids come along with us just about everywhere, man. Our kids are level of, lovers of people. They're lovers of God. And uh, really, they just come along for the ride with us everywhere that we go. Sometimes we say to ourselves, we want to slow down a little bit because we feel like, you know, we need to just have some more alone time with the kids and so on and so forth. But the kids love what we do. You know, this is just uh, this is a fellowship. They're, they're around so many different people all the time. Our kids are being discipled now how to treat people, how to treat people that most people enjoy to hate. They know how to pray for people, love people. My little boy's six years old. He'll come and lay hands on you and pray the heavens down right now. That's the type of guy he is. He's never thinking of himself first. He's always thinking of your best needs. And so this is the type of stuff that we role model to our kids, and this is all they know. You know, this is all they know. Um, but they get to go on a lot of vacations. And let me tell you something. Those kids have a life. Those kids have a game room in the basement. They got arcades. They got, they, I mean, they got an awesome life. So it's not as if our kids are always out in these fellowships and stuff like that. They just, they're right beside of us a lot of the times, though. And they actually enjoy it because a lot of the kids that are around with the adults end up becoming their, their friends. Um, so, yeah, man, you know, it's, it's just one of them things, man. Uh, so starting back, you said six to seven years ago, then you went into marketing, and then you went into uh, the, the business you're currently in. Is that correct? Correct. So, so when you did that, uh, just a quick question, how'd you come up with the money for it? No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because that's, you got a lot of people in here whole, wanting to start a business. That's the whole thing is that, it, you know, you can do that, but you can use OPM, which is other people's money. And then you can get <laughs> <laughs> You use other people's money to get your business started up. And then we'll, we'll go ahead. Since this is the entrepreneur class, what we'll do is this. So <clears throat> what was the first question on that? On that list you well, said? Well, you already answered that one. What was but what was it the, again? The, uh, your uh, idea for your business. Where did it, how did it come about? Right. How did, so what happened was, was I found out something that I loved. And what I loved to do more than anything in the world was help people. And then when I found out there was an actually a job that you could get to help people, I thought, wow, that's the greatest thing in the world. So then once that job became about, then I wanted to become the best in the United States at that job. And I tell you what, I, I went as hard as I could to become the best I could at that job. And when that took place, I wanted to become a sponge, and I wanted to figure out as much that I could possibly figure out about not only this role, but every role inside of a center, which is a treatment center or an outpatient facility or something like that, that's literally geared or targeted towards helping other people. And now I want to learn it from the bottom up. And so I got to literally take and dedicate all my time, energy, and effort to it. So as long as I keep God at the top of my life, and then I go after this with a passion that I went after, let's say, selling drugs, using drugs, and everything else. Then suddenly this becomes like a really, this becomes like such a big deal. But God's always got to be first. Because if God's not first in my life, then this stuff will literally chew me up and spit me out. You can't do this line of work and hear the type of things that we hear about. The suicides, the murders, the death, the overdose, the kids with the stories with the little kids and the trauma and the, and the, and the, and the people being molested and all that other. You can't hear this type of stuff all the time without God. This is why I'm constantly getting busted down at the altar. I'm constantly having an experience with God because I got a need. I, I, I'm out here on the streets and what we do is we fill up at church and we bring it out here and pour out on these all these people. All this is what we do. We, we fill fill up at church, we pour out all week long. We fill up at church, we have an experience with God. God moves, just busts us down and we go and we pour out on other people. And what you do is you find out what it is you love more than anything in the world. Now, I don't know what you guys love, but we love helping people more than anything in the world. And you figure out how, how, how can I get a job doing that? And then you figure out how do I become the best in the world at it? Because you don't want to do anything half, you know, you don't want to half step anything. Why would you? I got to be, this just, maybe it's a character defect of mine, but I got to be the best. You know what I'm saying? I want to be the best at the things that I do. Why wouldn't you? Am I right? You don't want to be the, the fifth best, do you? <laughs> you don't want to be the, you know, you sure don't want to be the last. You got to be the best. And so you find out what it is that you're best at, and then you go into it with confidence to these meetings. And so what we did was, and I'll give you a little taste of how we kind of kicked this off. I was a marketer for a, for a treatment center, and I was watching these guys do all this other stuff, and they was paying us good money and everything else, but uh, at the end of the day, we were working so hard, and we was laying it and sacrificing so much time with our family at this point in time with our kids to work, and they was paying us well, 
And I said to myself, you know something, this is great and all, and the money's good, but we're sacrificing so much for this that i got to have something real to hold on to, something that's not only going to set me up, set her up, and set the kids up forever, because I don't want to just go ahead and set all these other guys up and work 80, 90-hour weeks and set all them up for the rest of their lives. I need to have something for me. I need to have something for them and the kids. Otherwise, all the sacrifice that we make for all that, it ain't worth it. My kids are the ones that suffer at the end of that. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I just took all this know-how, and I walked into a business meeting, and I said, here's the deal. We created a marketing team, uh, me, her, and another friend of ours. Uh, and uh, I walked into a, a, a detox down there. That was a brand-new center. And I said, here's the deal. We'll do all the marketing for your treatment center, and we'll do everything. We're going to go ahead and leverage that for uh, X amount of points in your company, and we each want salaries. And uh, we laid it on the table and said, this is the deal. Take it or leave it. And so it was the first time in our life that we established equity in a treatment center. And this was over three years ago. And we took the equity in that treatment center, and we worked and worked and worked and worked, and we made money. And then we knew that this, these guys needed us, and they, we knew they needed us for that treatment center. So we said, we'll stick around, and we'll continue to be here, and we'll continue to work for this treatment center and this, that, and the other, and keep our small piece of equity here. But we want you guys to, to, to put the money up for a treatment facility for us and where we're from. And that's what they did. And that's why I said OPM and other people's money. <laughs> because you can literally get that, you can get that thing done. And, and, and the thing about it is, is about knowing how to leverage the deal. And when you get and sit down in these meetings with people, they're going to try to run you over. But if you're bold and confident and courageous like a real Christian should be, because I believe that that's what we're called to be is confident, bold, courageous, and all this other stuff. You go into there and you take control and you dictate the way that meeting's going to go. And you don't do it with a harsh spirit and you don't do it to be mean. You just let them know I'm confident and I know what, I, I know what we deserve. You know what I'm saying? And so we go in there and we lay these things out. And when, and, and, and when we're sh- you're sitting there laying out that this is what we deserve and we want your money to be able to do this, that, and the other, and, uh, and suddenly they, you pitch it to them and you're talking to them as, as if. And so sometimes being as if means a lot. And so I'm not saying that it's a false sense of courage or anything else, but you've got to just be bold. And then you've got to be a risk taker. And then they can either say yes or no. What was going through your mind when you were sitting there at that table? Nothing. I was like, I knew it was one. I knew we was getting a deal. I knew the money was coming. I didn't. <laughs> they didn't know that, and I didn't either, really. But I believed that because I'm a believer. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, here's the deal. You know, this is what we want, and this is what we'll give you this this amount of the treatment center, and we want this much money to be able to kick it off and get it started. And when everyone was going nuts and losing their mind, and this is another thing, man, is that when the world's going crazy during COVID and everything's shut down and everyone's losing their mind. We were sitting at home hustling. We was grinding. We got to get this going. We got to get this going. We got to get this going. There's too many people that need to be helped. There's too many people dying. We got to get this moving. We got to get this moving. We got to get this moving. And there was times it almost killed us. And there was times. This was our honeymoon period of our marriage. We got married November 30th, 2019. And this kicked off in January of 2020. And we was cranking. And we was open for business uh, about 11 months later. And uh, there was times I literally didn't think we were going to make it. I mean, we was working because we was taking a market, taking over a marketing team for down there. We was also working for another place in Indiana, and we was opening up a new center in West Virginia. But you got to know the end result, guys, and that's really where the, the eyes on the prize. You can't let doubt come into your mind. She would sit there and get frustrated, and I'd say, baby, pray. you got to pray, regroup, get your mind together. You can do this. You can do this, and I would encourage her, and she'd be sitting here trying to get all the paperwork done to get submitted to Medicaid and everything else. You can do this. You can do anything. We can do, we can do this. We can do this, and as a team, and you're just speaking life. I'm speaking life into my wife, even though she's crushed. She's feeling like the weight of the world, but your calling is going to crush you. So if you think that whatever God called you to do is going to be a cakewalk and easy, I don't care if it's in business, ministry, or whatever it is, it's going to crush you. He's going to create a need in your life. And we had a need so strong at that point in time. We didn't have a church to go to because COVID had shut everything down. And so when, when Pastor Bounds opened that church back up, let me tell you something, that spring, and we went right back into that church and we're going through all this and we're not telling a soul because we didn't want anybody to know what we was up to either. That's another thing. Keep all this stuff. When you guys are working on things in your life, there's a lot of haters out there. There's a lot of people who don't want to see you do well. 
I'm going to tell you this. They're going to try to knock you down. They're going to try to bust you down. They don't want to see you doing well. There's an old saying that says, people want to see you do good, just not better than them. <laughs> you know, They want to see you doing good. They just don't want to see you doing better than them. You know, And so we kept this under our hat. And we're going through these times. And Pastor Bounds opens that church back up. And God blew us away. And that really, really just set us on fire back in, all in in the cross church. And then everything just kind of happened the way it happened. And, you know, here we are today. And like I said, in the first year we serviced over 800 people. Uh, the results that we have are absolutely astounding. We went from a one, a little five office, 2,000 square foot office space to we just, her and I just bought three months ago a 7,000 square foot medical complex wow. that we fully renovated. That we fully renovated. Uh, when I'm telling you that whatever God has in store for you, it's so crazy that your mind can't even comprehend. Seriously, your calling is so great, it's going to destroy you. You won't be able to handle it on your own power. He creates that in your life. He creates you to need him to get through your calling. He wants it to crush you so that you need him so that he can give you the strength to be able to get through these things. And this is the type of life that I'm going to tell you something. If you plan on coasting through life without little, with little or no problems, don't expect to do great things. I'm being serious. If you're afraid to take a, if you're afraid to take a risk, don't expect to do great things. You've got to be a risk taker because being a risk taker has to, has to put you dependent upon God. And if you aren't in areas of your life where you're dependent upon him and you don't know if it's going to turn out good, you don't know what's going to happen, but God, I trust you. Whichever way it's going to go, I trust that it's going to work out whatever, the best. And so this is the type of stuff that you, so that's the one thing you can't take, you can't teach from entrepreneurship is to be a risk taker. You got to be a risk taker and you can't be afraid to fail. You can't be afraid for other people to look at you and say, ah, you gave it everything you got and you failed. You're a loser. You can't. That's because that's how people are. Let's face it. People are mean. They don't want to see, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna bust you down and they're going to make fun of you and take shots at you because you took a chance on something. They'd never take a chance at you. You want to know why? They're fearful. And in order to get to a place of business, entrepreneurship, ministry, or anything else, you've got to be fearless. You might have fear, but once you come to God and he gives it to you, in a moment, you become fearless. In a moment, you know the victory's won. In a moment, it change, he changes everything. And so, you know, this is just how I approach. Now, this far, this far into it, I don't really get fearful. I might get angry. And sometimes <laughs> she'll have to talk me off the ledge, and I'll be sitting there just saying it over and over like a mantra. God, save me from being angry. Thy will not mine be done. God, save me from being angry. Thy will. I'll say it 50 times in a row, literally. I'll just try to turn my thoughts. Uh, because. So what was your biggest fear, though, before you started? Right now, you don't, doesn't really bother you. There's still you. some fears, but, but you know, it, there's always going to be, as long as you, because what happens is, is that you get to a place of growth where you want to continue to grow. And so there's always a need in that area. So I know that Peer Solutions want to go to this next level. But in order to do that, there's going to be some heavy prayer. There's going to be some fear taking place that i got to give it to God. God, I need you in this area of my life. i got some unbelief. i got some doubt. I need your help in this area. Please make me bold. Make me courageous. Make me fearless. And, I'm, and, and there's areas in my life where if you want to continue to elevate, he's always going to leave a need there so that you always have to reach for him for the strength to get there. But what's one area in my life now or then? Uh, let's do both. Well, one area in my life then was the COVID stuff. And we launched a business right in the middle of COVID. And then all of a sudden the government's like, well, there's like 40,000 new rules to run a business. I'm like, wow, we're never going to get business. Now you got to get a thermometer, a mask, a jab, this, that, and the other. I'm like, this is crazy. No one's going to be allowed here. And in the first 30 days, we had 70 clients. Wow. Wow. <laughs> God's crazy cool, man. It's crazy, man. It don't even make sense. And I'm talking about clients, clients, like long-term clients, all-in type of clients, not come and go one time and see you later. I'm talking about the people that are coming in. They bought into the, to the system. They bought into the idea, and they're, they're here to stay. And so that was the biggest fear is the COVID thing and to jump through the hoops because you don't know what the government's capable of. And that's another thing that led everybody to God. And a lot of people put their trust in the government. And when the government failed them, and when all that stuff took place and they could no longer rely on them for security, there was only one place they could reach, and it was God. 
And I believe that's another reason why our church exploded through COVID. Thank God for COVID. What's your biggest <laughs> fear now? Kind of crazy to say, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. but what, what's your biggest fear now? Now? What do you fight with? Uh, really, the biggest fear now is like, where's our next location going to be? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Man, we trudged. We trudged. We trudged to get here. And you get there, and uh, it was a lot. It was a lot. And now you literally think to yourself, like, where are we going next? Because now we can have satellite locations. With the business that we have, we can start popping them up everywhere and replicate the model in multiple counties and states and everything else. Hmm. So now we're actually getting credentialed for Ohio Medicaid. So now we're going to be in Ohio and West Virginia. And uh, it's maybe. Zanesville. You never know. There's a need. Where there's a need, well, that's where we'll be. And so there's a need everywhere. And so that's one of the things from an entrepreneurship level is find yourself. It, it's literally filling the gaps. Where's their need? Where's their need? Find out what you love the most and then ask yourself, where's their need with this? And then once there is, get laser focused and just literally dive in and trust God with everything in you and run after it. So how do you, uh, I, if I'm looking at you, I'm saying you're a successful man. How do you define successful? Well, you, you think my whole life up until this point, you think that when you define success, you define it from a financial standpoint. That's, that's, how, the, that's, how, that's how society is, right? And that, so, but where I'm at now, that's not how I define success. And so I know a bunch of people who are financially stable are straight dirt bags. <laughs> and that's just me being, I'm just being real. Can I, I can, you know, they're just straight dirt bags. They're not good people. They don't like people. They don't treat people well. They'd never give a nickel to anybody. They don't want to help the poor or needy. They look at them as just, as just uh, a burden on society and everything else. And then they really just want to grab, gather up all the money and, and, and wealth and everything they can and just hoard it and not ever do anything. So it's not success. But I do believe that a well-rounded person is going to be successful financially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And by uh, spiritual success, I mean somebody who lives a life of repentance, who's given it all inside of their church, and has given their all to the people of God, trying their best to help people. The greatest Christians that I know are not people that are equipped with, equipped with all these radical gifts. And those are really, really cool. But they're the ones who spend their lives helping the less fortunate. And I'm not saying that because that's what we do. I'm just saying that because that's truly a sacrifice that you give your life to help God's people each and every single day. And uh, so I believe that a well-rounded person successfully has to be a little bit of all those things and a person who leads their family in the way of God. But I think that the spiritual thing has to always come first. Without, without the spiritual stuff and without the God stuff, we're useless and worthless. As a matter of fact, yeah. for us, our life, we talked about this the other day. Brother Justin shared about it the other day at church. My relationship with God, literally, my life depends on here. This isn't about me going to heaven. This is not about me seeking heaven. There's a lot of people in the church who's just seeking heaven and not wanting to go to hell. My life, my very life today and each and every single day is dependent upon my relationship with God. And if I don't have that relationship with God, I'm a dead man. Let me tell you something. Because I'll come unraveled so fast that the only thing that keeps me glued together, the only thing that keeps me halfway normal and sane is God and my relationship with God, period. Um, so, you know, if that doesn't come first, if the spiritual stuff doesn't come first in your life, uh, and that includes with your entire family and everything else, I don't care what it is. You could have all the money in the world, none of us ever going to work out. You got to trust God with all your heart and might, and you got to always put that first. Or this, or this financial stuff, this business stuff, it'll never ever work out because that will become your God. Very quickly, can money become someone's God? Very quickly, can success become someone's God? And when you have all the money in the world, you feel really good, and then suddenly, when you lose a lot of it, you feel like dying. And that's a problem when you put all your power in, in money you got to place everything in God. If the money's here, thank you so much. If the money's gone, thank you so much. I still love you for who you are. Thank you for bringing me this far. You know, it doesn't matter if i got all the money in the world or none at all. 
because I've been here without it. We've been, we've been, uh, we was riding the church bus four years ago because we still didn't have our license back. We didn't have vehicles or anything else. In an instant, in a moment, God can change your life and literally make you, put you on a platform and put you in a place that you just can't even believe it. It's just, un- it's unbelievable. This is more than just a small little miracle. It's- I love your story and, and how passionate you are. It's great. Thank you, thank you. It's, it's great. Do you think that all entrepreneurs are passionate about something? Is there a formula, how to be a successful entrepreneur? I think you got to have a drive. Uh, you got to want to be the best at whatever it is you do, and you got to love what you do. It just so happens that we love to help people, and thank God he was able to create an industry or a business out of helping people, um, which we did, and and we fell in love with it. Um, You know, I I think that you just got to have a drive. You got to have a want to do better, and I don't care what it is. You want to have a barbecue uh, joint, you know what I'm saying? Then guess what? Be the best barbecue, be the best guy that that smokes barbecue and makes all this food that you could possibly be, and then you got to ask yourself, there might be 10 other barbecue joints here in town that I'm going up against competitive-wise. But what separates me from them? And what's going to separate from you, you from them is the way you treat people and love people. It really is. It, your service is everything. Always be godly, and people will be attracted to you. You just got to be godly, and people will be attracted to you and your business and everything else. They're attracted to your kindness. Um, what separates you from the rest of the barbecue joints? And then you got to go and attack those angles. That's, that's the way I see it. What separates us is that all these other outpatients, they're all like institutions. Mm. They're all like hospitals. And stuff. We're like organic grassroots. We'll grab you and pray on you and stuff. You know, they're like, you can't do that. We're like, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. Settle down. <laughs> yeah. You're taking everything too serious. Yeah, we can. And uh, we just changed it up, man, switched it up, you know. It, uh, it's been a very, very cool deal. And so that's why you do these things. You got to inspire people. And so when you're doing these acts of uh, these acts of kindness, people are like, oh, he's a showboat. He's doing that on social media or this that. I'm doing it to inspire you. Maybe it'll light a fire under your butt. There's plenty of people struggling out here. Go out and help somebody. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? And so what separates you from the rest of everybody? But with all, the, all the other barbecue joints. It's uh, you, you know you got to ask yourself that question, and then you want to got to be the best. Keep God at the at the forefront. And be the best at whatever it is you do. Um, I mean. Well, another John Maxwell question. Go ahead. Uh, what's the greatest thing you've ever learned in life? We just was asking this question the other day. It was weird. Yeah, I don't know, man. There's so many different levels of great things that I learned. And I believe that one of the greatest things that I ever learned in my life was what I just shared with you because it was such a revelation because prior to me getting here and getting sober and finding God, it was always my belief that as long as my external world was okay, that my internal world was going to be okay. So as long as I had money and nice things and this, that, and the other and all this, my external world looked really good and that everything in here was going to be okay. The greatest place that I was ever in in my life up until uh, when when I got to that point was when I had nothing out here. I was sleeping on mom's couch. I didn't have a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out. <laughs> I had nothing. I was a 34-year-old homeless guy with some stolen clothes. <laughs> it's laughable now. It wasn't then. I had some stolen clothes. I'd be walking around in a polo shirt like I was looking all cool and stuff. It'd be stolen. You know? <laughs> You look cool and clean, you know, all stolen clothes. And uh, I'll never forget as long as I live. I'm sitting on mom's porch. I'm sitting there at about 9.30 at night. I'm two months sober, and I have nothing left to my external world. And uh, I have a relationship with God for the first time in my life because it was in that moment of desperation that God found me and rocked my world and changed me and changed the course of my life um, almost eight years ago. And my cup was flowing, overflowing. And it was for the first time in my life that I knew that my external world had little or nothing to do with how I feel and how good life is. And it was literally, it was the poorest I was out here, but the richest I was here. And it was in that moment that God changed me. And I knew from then on forward that no matter what took place, that this whole world, I could have everything out here, but if I'm not okay here. And I mean it because you hear a lot of people share that. And it sounds cliche because a lot of times they ain't sharing it from experience. I'm sharing it from a place of experience. And let me tell you something, it is the truth. And if you're not okay in here, it don't matter what you got out here. And uh, thank God for that desperation. I thank God for my low spots. They made me who I am. They were necessary. Are you a reader? 
Not at all. I, well. I told you, I told you, I, I, I read the Bible. I read my daily devotional, and I read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Everything else I learn in life is based off experience. I'm an experiencer. I like to experience people. And so everything that I do is from an organic level. I don't like to adapt and adopt other things, other people. So when, I, when I'm sharing something with you tonight from here, it's my experience. It's, it's as organic as I possibly That's why I said I don't have notes. I don't do none of that stuff. I pray. I ask God to speak, and here we are. <laughs> so what have you done in your life that every uh, entrepreneur in here should do? Failed a thousand times over. <laughs> You got to fail, uh, and you got to get to a place of uh, where where you know. Good thing for me is that before I got successful in business, I burnt my life to the ground with drug addiction. So I already knew what it was like to fail miserably at life, you know. So I knew at, at that point in time, God was there was only one way up from there. You know what I'm saying? And so at that point in time, I knew that God could rip me out of that hole and take me and elevate me to a new level. And he kept taking us from glory to glory to glory and getting us to this place to that place. I already knew that he was going to be able to walk us through business and elevate us and take us to different levels. We had already been through so many things. It was we, I've been through too much to ever worry about failing on a business level. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You already pulled me through the worst things in the world. You think I'm going to worry about this? Not at all. I shouldn't even be alive. So everything else from here is a bonus. So at that point in time, like once you already burnt your life to the ground and you had already walked through so much darkness, uh, there's only one way, you know, up. And I, that's why I'm, I'm not even a, I'm not even a, a believer. I'm a knower. I, when I'm when I'm asking, when I, when I when we're going to do something, and I know that God's ordained it, or I know that God wants it to happen. I know in my heart of hearts, and it's not self-will. It's not my flesh. I know that this is where we're supposed to go. I'm already there. The battle's won. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm already there. I just can't touch it yet. But we won. We're there. It's already over. And so she just gets with me and helps me walk this out every step of the way in order to get there because I'm ready to jump there. I'm a believer, and I know that we, I know it's going to take place. If I say we're going to be in, in, in 24 uh, counties and three states and this, that, and the other in the next five years, I believe that. I know it's going to happen. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm walking in victory each and every single day. I don't, I don't, I don't walk any other way. I don't, I don't get fearful. I, don't, I, I do, and I take it to God, but I don't walk in doubt. I'm walking in victory. I don't came too far. So when you get to that point and you're walking in victory, ain't nothing can stop you. And then you find out what it is you love, and you just do it to the best of your ability. You trust God, he's going to see it through. That's all there is to it. You know, you got to get to a place, a, a level of, uh, of belief where the, the thought of losing doesn't even cross your mind. As a matter of fact, you almost welcome the idea of losing because that brings me to a new experience with God because it's in my losing moments where God rocks my world. It ain't when I'm winning and I'm standing on the platform with a first, with a first place trophy. He has me on my face when I'm a fifth place trophy and I got uh, flipped upside down and tore out. That's when I have my experiences with God. That's when I meet him. Is when so I almost welcome those times. We just went through one of the hardest times in our life this past December. Serious tragedy took place in our life. Serious, serious tragedy. Uh, and a loss and everything else. And, and just, you know, guess what? We trusted God and we praised him anyway. Awesome. And we just kept trudging along. Every day. Better days are coming. If you're going through something tough right now, believe me, better days are coming. You can't stop. You can't give up. i tell you how it all started. My friend Rocky Meadows, he's a pastor in Huntington, West Virginia. He owns Lifehouse, Tri-State Recovery Services. He married Shay and I. He came to us. And here's a guy. He did 10 years in prison for second-degree murder, came out and became a pastor. He wrote up to me to really, this is a God story. You want to talk about God? You want to see the types of stories that I get to see and the types of people I brush shoulders with each and every single day? You want to build your belief and your faith? And you want to see that God can do the miraculous in people's lives? He came out of prison 10 years, second degree murder. He wanted to be a pastor. He loved God with all of his heart. He wrote up to meet his first uh, realtor on a 10 speed. That's the true story. I want to open a recovery house. He wrote up on a 10 speed. The realtor's like, my God, this is who I came to meet. <laughs> you know, little, little guy come out of prison for second-degree murder. He's like, I want to change the world, be a pastor. He's like, yeah, sure, bud. Somehow, they gave him the house. Ten years later, he's got 250 beds in the biggest center in the state of West Virginia. He serviced thousands and thousands and thousands of people. He, is, he has caused a splash in our state so massive. All God. 
So Rocky married us, and he said, I want you guys to go ahead and do this because I know that you guys can do it, and I believe in it, that God wants me to do this. He came to her house. He said, I'm going to go ahead and start your LLC right now, and I'm going to pay for your consultant. Here's a 1000 bucks down payment for the consultant. I said, you've got to be kidding me because I had hired Rocky a couple years uh, prior to that to a team I was on, and we started the ball that day, and we never looked back. We called Rocky and said, what do we do here? He'd say, figure it out. That's, how, that's the type of consulting we got. Hey, what do you do here? Figure it out. He's like, you're a drug addict, figure it out. <laughs> and that's the truth because when you come from that life and you come from a life where you got to figure everything out from the past, and I'm not a drug addict anymore, but I once was that guy. But when you come from that life where you got to figure things out and you walk into a situation like this and he says, figure it out, you figure it out at all costs. It's really what stops people is unbelief, lack of trying, and lack of willingness. I'm telling you, each and every single one of you guys, that you can walk in and do whatever you want to do from this day forward. But you got to want to do it with everything in you. And you got to trust God that it's going to happen. And so that's just kind of our story, man. It's really nothing like, there was no like, I was telling you, like, we don't read books. Like, I don't have like, I was not like, I didn't go to like the, the Tony Robbins show and like all this other stuff. Like, everything we do is just organic and on prayer. God help us and we're going to figure it out. But we're going to walk this out every, each and every single day. And that's really what it boils down to. You a fighter? You want more? Like I said before, your calling is going to destroy you. It's going to crush you. And so you can either have a life of mediocrity and just live normal and average. Or you can really step into your calling and trust God. And it's going to rock you, tear you down, crush you, and leave you dependent. You're going to have to depend on God every step of the way because you won't be able to carry it with your own strength. So one more question. And then if anybody else has another one. But how do you get people to uh, get behind your vision in a secular world? Oh, I love on them. <laughs> That's the, just the difference maker. I love people. Really love people. I got, you know, I, I, just, I just walk up and I pitch them and I just, I'm excited about life and they, they're looking for something like this. The world is hungry for this. They're hungry for God. They're hungry for, for someone who's positive and passionate and determined. They're hungry. They're tired of it. Look, look, look around you. If, if you ain't living like we're living in this environment, what do you have to look forward to? What do you even, what do you even strive for? You wake up and watch what? The news? I'm serious. We don't watch the news. I turned it off during COVID. I almost lost my mind. I was getting really mad. We, yeah, it's bad. I'm dead serious. I was on Facebook making political posts and stuff. It was so bad. It was so bad. I was like, I got to stay away from this crap. And uh, the fact of the matter is, man, is that you just got to love people. And I'm not afraid to go out in their world. So this is my whole thing is that I'm, I'm the type of Christian. I ain't afraid, man. I, I, don't, like, I don't hang out at clubs. And I don't hang out in trap houses unless I'm going to go rip someone out of there to go to a better place. But let me tell you something. I ain't afraid to walk in their world. I ain't afraid what's going on. Man, I got a strong, when I tell you right now, I got a strong relationship with God. I ain't worried about stepping into that world and dragging people out. I don't worry about what's going to stick to me or anything. And nothing's going to stick to me. I stay prayed up and I'm walking in victory. So I'm walking in this world and dragging people out I'm just doing it that's just who I am yeah. and so you just got to love people and you got to step out and take the time for them and part of doing that is being selfless and most people don't want to be selfless because they want to spend as much time uh, uh, with their selves and their own little selfish ends than to go help somebody else so you're going to give a lot of your time for free <laughs> as a matter of fact the majority of it you want to win people go love on them and don't expect nothing else in return Go help them. Go feed them. Go love on them. Go pray with them. Go laugh with them. They stink, so what? I'll stand here with you. Stink bad. I'll stand here with you anyway. <laughs> I'll feed you too. I'll take you to the nicest restaurant in town, stinking and everything. It don't matter to me. It don't matter to me. I just love people, really, really love people. And that's the game changer, is we won our city by really loving people from the street. That's awesome. From the street, you know. Uh, Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.